Welcome back in. David Locke is going to be joining us, and he's brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Tim Lacombe sitting in for David James. We'll be back on Monday. Good morning, Mr. Locke. How the heck are you? I'm great, PK. I'm great, Tim Lacombe. Golly, what a world this is. Lacombe, are you working on us, though? I'm not, no. Um, trying to pick up a couple more shifts here yeah. and there. Yeah, I'm a little worried about you. Um, I'm just following your lead. I just remember when you broke on what you ha- what you've done then and since. So you just don't stop working, bro. Um, I don't think um, I don't think that's really true. Um, and I think you're um, older now, so you shouldn't work that hard. <laughs> there you go. I just wanted the the opportunity to have three legends on the radio together: Yak, PK. And lock. Yak and lock. David James on line three. David James on line three. <laughs> Wanting to know where the legends are. He better not be calling. He's on vacation. He no, I wasn't calling it. my cell phone. I was no. calling Yak, Lock, <laughs> and PK. Yak, Lock, and PK. I don't know. That sounds like a tax firm to me. Not much. Not one that you'd want to do business with either. No, not at all. Not sports legend. Locks is sports legend. That's for sure, man. Thousand games this dude's done. Move on. Thousand games this dude's done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when will we do two thousand and a thousand more? Is uh, Donovan Mitchell? You are. You are. We are. The the role on this show is I'm supposed to come on and talk about how great DJ and PK are. That's why (laughs) DJ sends me the check. That's like, like I. We no, cannot, but I'm but I'm here today, so we're going to clunk it up. I do not want to lose that extra income. I get every. I like that extra income. I don't want to lose that. All right, move on. Is Mitchell going to play tonight? Yeah, I think so. Sure, seems like it, right? I mean, you never know with concussions. It only takes you know. That's what happened with Hassan, right? Hassan, we thought was cleared on his concussion, and then when he all of a sudden came out of a shoot around that day, when and it was a day where Rudy wasn't going to go, and um, and so then all of a sudden, you know, Hassan didn't feel quite right. Um, and that's the night I think we ended up without a center against Jokic, right? Um, uh, on that, so I, I think that when you um, when you're dealing with concussions, you got to be a little careful to assume anything. Um, but I would hope so. Did you see that thing from Rick Buecher, some scout that the Jazz are Rick, first round exit? Dude, Rick Buecher, Rick Buecher was so big in the '90s. Yeah, he was. Still trying to make a living, I'll give him credit. But he quotes some unnamed scout. The Jazz are a first-rounder exit away from Mitchell being in New York. I mean, that just really bugs me. But, like, why? Like, why? Why does it bug me? Yeah. Because I just get tired of it. It's a beat-down narrative over and over and over again. And it, so, it's, You know what would bother me more? What? Is if we didn't have any players that were good enough for people to want. Yeah, they're not saying Elijah Hughes wants to go back to his home state right. where he played ball. Right? Like, to me, like, it's just part of, like, Minnesota's going to deal, is dealing with, with Carl Anthony Towns, right? And, 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 the, and let's be really honest about it. There's only been two players that have really stayed recently. Daph and Giannis. They won titles. So, it doesn't matter if you're small market or large market, if you don't, like, and frankly, then, if you win a title and you're Kawhi Leonard, you still leave. So, it's, it's what the league is. Donovan gets the right as a free agent. Rudy Gobert gets the right as a free agent. Elijah Hughes gets the right as a free agent. And they all get to, they all get to choose. Yeah, but not five years before. 
Not five years before? Well, yeah. You can't I control mean, that, though. It's echo chamber. You can't control the outside narrative. And then, you know, the, they, the players have certainly moved the timeline on this um, with, you know, with their over the last few years. So, I, you know, in that sense, I... Um, I guess I give them credit. I don't know. But, I mean, we have certainly seen players move faster. Now, what's going on in Philadelphia is super interesting, right? Because assume, we all assume Ben Simmons is getting traded at this deadline, but he's got enough years on his contract. Daryl Morey could play it out one more time. Yeah. And what basically – and they're finding him. So this is the first player that's, like, maybe overplayed their hand ever so slightly. Right, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, why he would think this is the right thing to do. It's just that, you know, we saw Carmelo Anthony whine his way to New York, Ewing played in New York. What the crap does New York have that you can't get here? I just but, don't know how to say it. But Carmelo Anthony whined his way to New York 11 years ago. Maybe 13. And like, Ewing, you know, is, Ewing played in New York longer, but and, and, and it hasn't changed. Right, and I don't know how you know. I don't know how Ewing whined his way to New York. You might no, have he him didn't. Him. He didn't. I didn't say he didn't whine his way to New York. No, Carmelo did. No, right. you, so, he went to New York. But me, what is so great right, about so New York? Kevin, what do you get in New York like that Kevin you don't get Durant here? Wind himself to San Francisco? Is that like is that? What no, we're but at least he. At least a lot of his stuff was at the free agent time. I don't have any problem with that. We did. We went through that with Hayward. But when you're just barely, he's three months into this new contract. And we're already talking about it. Yeah, I mean, but I, I also think we're now falling into the narrative of talking about it. And we're, and I just, you know, for, I would share for me, it's just, to me, it's a non-issue. Like, I'm just not talking about it. I just, I think it's, you know, Rick Buecher got his name misspelled. He was probably p- more pissed off about that than anything else when they published this report. He got his name misspelled? <laughs> A bunch, of, a bunch of the releases. And the thing I told PK, the thing I told like, it's PK. Like, like, it's like, let's be honest, PK, it's our biggest nightmare, right? Like, we've become such a has-been that they misspell our name when we actually try to tell the story again after being no longer relevant after Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah. The thing I told PK was, too, if you hear it from Donovan, okay, then then worry. But you got all of these unnamed people. It's the easiest thing in the world to have an unnamed source. Right. Uh, and obviously, if there's... I've always learned if if there's enough talk, right, there's probably some truth. But the bottom line is we have not heard that, and I think it's just it's time spent worrying about stuff. I know, but it's like a Kardashian marriage. As soon as he signs a contract, when are you going to get divorced? Can we at least have two or three years but, where we don't have the, to hear it about perfect, every guy who's good for the jazz? But the perfect response to that is I don't care about the Kardashians, and I don't care what other people think. Yeah, but I think that uh, it's a here's perception, this, and we got to kill the perception. Here's why this bo- here's why this bothers you, PK. Because in our heart of hearts, we all know there's a little something to it. Because all of us want to go home. That's so what much that's like what New York is here. Bo- it's home. Yeah, we'll go right. home at 35. They'll go home at 37. Fine. But PK, that's why it bothers everyone, and that's why it becomes a narrative. Is because like there is a. You know, there there is a little bit to it that makes everyone a little nervous because of the fact that, like, all of us, like, did I dream of being the Golden State Warriors play-by-play announcer? Probably uniquely not because I grew up a Utah Jazz fan. But, like, did I dream of going to be a Stanford play-by-play announcer? Yes. Did I apply for that job at some point? Yes. Right? Like, like that's – like, those are things – because that's going home. Right? Like, there's something to that. Like, those are so – I think that's where if we're just, you know, 
we all mellow out for a minute and say, yeah, like, okay, like, you know, it's the same way the kids grow up here and want to go play for Temple Crow or BYU. How much do you think relationships matter in that Ryan Smith and his group? We know the group now, but the group will probably be different as time rolls on. But Ryan Smith will be there, and he seems like he's a personable guy. How much do you think relationships can matter in this situation? They can't. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to dig. I, I kind of want to change the subject. I understand that's what everyone's talking about. I understand it's talk radio, but I don't want to fall into this narrative. Because otherwise we could do it every day for the next probably three years. Um, but I, you know, I will say certainly the Jazz have done everything Donovan wants and have done everything to, Don, to try to make this a, a place for Donovan. And Ryan Smith has, you know, been leading that charge. And so, you know, if, if you're going to make, if it's going to be a place where Donovan wants to stay when it's, when the time comes, and it's a place where he thinks he can win, then the structure and the support have been there for him. But that also all might be irrelevant, right? Because at some point, guys, like guys. I don't like find this other than the fact that we buy not Donovan, but just big picture in the league. Right. Other than the fact that we just buy jerseys and think we own players when they're on our team in a weird way as fans. And I, don't, I know owns the wrong word, but I think that's the, the, the feeling we have to them. We feel this connection. I actually view our players as professionals who have a career and, no differently than any other career. I was in Salt Lake City and left to go to Seattle, and then I came back from Seattle to Salt Lake. I moved. And I left Salt Lake solely because I wanted to experience something new, and then over time and circumstances came back because that was the right thing for me to do. Um, and I just don't think that's that different than most salespeople. I don't think that's most different than most directors of marketings. I don't think that's most any different than most CEOs. I think that's just the reality of like life is that as you go on through your life, you want different, sometimes you want a new experience. And in the case of a professional basketball player, they cannot work virtually. So therefore they have to move and their experience time is a span of about 12 years. So it gets really truncated. And so I think that, you know, there's those last two pieces add a uniqueness that's actually no different than what most of us as humans are doing over a 50-year period of time in our lives. Right. And I don't really care about Mitchell. I mean, I don't know him. Uh, he To me, he's a commodity. He's a great basketball player. And it's, so if he goes, fine. Just get somebody in like Hayward left, and they got better. So I, I don't care about the individuals. I care about the team being good and having an opportunity, as you do too, I think we all do, to be in the mix to win a title. And so it's not particular to Mitchell. It's particular to Ryan Smith building something that he's spoken of that he wants to achieve here. And that's where the relationships come in. It's a long, big picture, not relative strictly to Donovan Mitchell. He can come and go. doesn't matter to me. It's just can they get somebody in who's as good or better and continue to build and be competitive and find themselves in the NBA Finals. That's where I'm going with the relationship issues because I think that that is something that can work to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan's done an incredible job in a very short period of time of trying to have an impact on, you know, how we're viewed, who we are, what's what our organization is. I mean, every – and it's not – and it's not um, from the outside. It's on the inside. Like, I, you know, I'll share the very first, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, 
we had our first like in-person meeting in what, 20 months at some point here recently, you know, like the last six months. Yeah. And I walked in the building and I was like, whoa, like, you know, wow. Like there's real action behind the words here. It was awesome. It was, it was, you know, credible um, and exciting to be a part of. Um, so there is a, you know, tremendous effort by Ryan to open people's eyes to what is so special about our state and where we are and who we are and, you know, and show that we're not how we're perceived or we're not, you know, we have a, do have a little bit of a tendency to stick our foot in, foot in it when we walk outdoors sometimes, you know, and create headlines across the country that then promote the narrative. And he's doing a wonderful job of trying to fight that. And, you know, he did it the other last week with when he changed the, added to the board of directors of Qualtrics. He's done it with the Utah Jazz, both from, you know, the entry level position to near the top. And it's really great. And um, so in all those areas, that's where you know, I think Ryan's done everything he can, but I, I don't, you know, it's, he, he also, you know, not an easy in this specific topic of holding a player in a city is not an easy battle because players haven't, you know, most players haven't stayed in any city. Um, obviously, Rudy Gobert still out, David, and Hassan Whiteside had one of the more kind of head-scratching moments at the end of the game the other night. Um, tonight, John Morant flying around the paint <laughs> without a Rudy Gobert. Uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think of the game tonight against maybe, Memphis? Maybe in some sense, this is an easier night for Whiteside. Just you know, because the other night they really were asking a lot of him, right? Because of Booker and um, Chris Paul's mid-range game, you were really asking him to come all the way up yeah. and play at the level of the screen to impact the cut, the right-hand cutback of Booker and Chris Paul and try to keep them left. That's, that's you know, that's a Rudy Gobert defense you're asking us on Whiteside to play. You know, Jal uh, Morant has gotten way better, um, but maybe tonight is simply stand in front of the rim. Just like they're going to play Steven Adams. And so stay in front of the rim and don't let John Morant get there and try to deny the pass to Steven Adams. And then when they go to Jaron Jackson Jr. as the center, like that's going to be more difficult. And, um, but if they play Brandon Clark as your center, then stay in front of the rim. Did you understand in front of the rim and nowhere else? And I think that's, you know, I think we, I think that's what you have to kind of see that's going for, for Hassan. And maybe you're giving him a script that can be successful. It's funny you talk about, uh, Rudy Gobert coverage because I mean you've pointed it out you know I've had the the I sit and watch these games for the last three years but I get to listen to you um, while while I'm doing it and one of the things I, I've really taken is just the intellect that Rudy plays with in ball screen you know the the ability to affect three things going on the guy with the ball in his hands you know the roller and then, you know, any kind of cutters or help behind it. Like, Rudy just has a sense of everything going on. Um, what, what do you feel like, you know, is, is that just learned? Is that acquired? Where does that come from, you think, with Rudy? I've never stumped David Locke. I feel so honored to have stumped him. Uh, I somehow had bumped mute. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, dang. I thought I, like, I, seriously, I thought you had you in major well, thought. I, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? So I do think that the league has become, you have to be really, really smart to play in this league now. And so 
You know, and I think most of the guys are by the time to play successfully in this league. And I think most of the guys are by the time they get to the league. Like, I think that's what's really, really different. Um, you know, I think there was, used to be this image of the league that you, you know, there were a bunch of stereotypes to who an NBA player was, right? Like, I don't want to get into it entirely, but um, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. That's just not true anymore. Like, it's just, you know, there's now Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, you know, Andrew Wiggins. Like, every night we're playing, our guys, dads played in the league, right? Andrew Wiggins' dad played in the league, you know. Um, and so you're seeing these guys who've grown up around the game and understand the game at a super high level, and they're really smart to understand it. I think Rudy's in that group from a basketball standpoint. I mean, his instincts are just incredible. Um you know why I don't know, so that's where you stump me. Um, but I think this is. I think often when you're watching players right now and they're you know a step slow or they don't read something or they don't look like they're on it. Like I think it's actually like the ability to see the speed of the game and the rotation, which is just such a different thing than than what has been asked in the past. Listening to your locked on, you're talking about the jazz and pick and roll, particularly with Ingles, and it's decreased significantly. Any particular reasons as to why? He hit mute again. He's got to stop hitting mute. Although, if anybody can overcome hitting mute, it's Lockmeister. I thought he'd have like a perma lock on the on the mute. Sorry, my fault. I put my. I'm actually talking on the phone in an old school way, where my phone my phone is up against the, my cheek, and I keep. I guess I'm getting fat. Um, diet. All that candy Ron brings in the studio. <laughs> I know, diet. I, I Jelly beans. Let's see, last, let's see. I can't imagine I'm getting fat. Before the game the other night was a brownie, ice cream, and a chocolate. <laughs> um, but the mogul's got to count for something. Right. I mean, the cookie was supposed to be post game, and the brownie was supposed to be halftime. But they were all gone by the end of that first quarter. <laughs> nice. When you're down, you know, when you're down 21 at the end of one, eat sweet. And be a long night. Scores your team. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like. You know, I had to, I needed positive endorphins running through my body so I didn't say something on the air to end my career. One, he called 1,003 games, and then the Jazz forgot to play transition defense against the Phoenix Suns in the first game back. He ate a cookie uh, and left. Right. Like, so the brownie saved my career. Um, uh, but sorry about that. So gotten fat. Um, so Joe ran 21% of the pick and rolls last year, which was – you know, a little bit inflated because Mike Conley and Donovan were out to end the year, but he's only running about, I think, 11 of our pick and rolls this year. Um, so one, he's not as good at it, right? So if you're the coaching staff, like you probably aren't giving the ball. And he was not good at it early. Like the Chicago and Orlando losses early in the year, you can step, point right to the inefficiency in the pick and roll in those games. And then I do think that we are just incredibly well scouted right now. I, I just feel like the biggest difference, obviously now we're injured, but the biggest difference I've noticed earlier in the year is it was clear to me that everyone studied the jazz of the off season. Like they went 52 and 20 and people wanted to know what they were doing. And people watched that Clipper series. And there was, and then also if you kind of just run through, by the way, you know, those early games, Chicago, Billy Donovan's played us in the playoff series and probably coached it against Billy Donovan's coached more games against the jazz than any other coach in the NBA. 
Um, and then you got to Orlando, and Jamal Mosley was Dallas's coach that was assigned to the Jazz last year in the playoffs, and I was preparing the scout when they were up 3-1 on the Clippers and then lost that series. So you, you were just dealing with coaches who'd really scouted us. And, and I do think, I can't find this data-wise, that people are switching more when Joe runs a pick-and-roll than I've ever seen. And so you, you just don't see the Jazz running the straight high top pick and roll with Joe anymore because teams see it coming and they switch it. So now what you're seeing is much more someone sets a pick for Joe on a pin down. They have to switch because it's a small, small pick. Joe comes around from, from the corner on a, then gets a pick on the move from Rudy. And then it's the left hand ladle at the rim while Rudy's rolling. Yeah. And it's just a different way to get Joe the ball. And so I think they're trying awfully hard to do that. But the top of the circle pick and roll with Joe Ingles, I think everyone just starts yelling, switch, switch, switch. And Joe's not going to be the switch in isolation. So then the play is stuck and you're now swinging and getting stagnant. That's my X's and O's take. I'm not sure that's totally right because I've tried to see if I can find the data that shows that it's, there's people are switching it more than they used to. But I think that the, Tim, does that vibe like feel accurate to what you've seen? Yeah, for sure. I think that switch thing is is real because you know if Joe's got space, he's fine. But when he can't get an advantage, and that's what's really changed more about his game is he just he can't get by guys. If if they switch it, he he's basically neutralized. And then and then you're late in the shot clock, and then someone else has got to play. That's exactly right. Yep. All right, we got to run, so I hope 1,004 is your best ever. That's awfully nice of you. This <laughs> might have been the best. Oh, wait, no. If I said that, Dave would be upset. Tim, <laughs> you're a trooper. I'll talk to you tonight. Hey, pack a, pack a cookie and a brownie just in case things get weird. <laughs> well, I mean, do you need me to bring them to you? Like, you good? Yeah, maybe. I, I might need some nutrition tonight. That's so awesome. We're in the studio with you tonight, so. Oh, sweet. Okay. You know. I always love seeing I mean, you. I can run by the store and pick up, like, mudslide cookies and all sorts. Surprise, surprise me, David. We can sweet it out. Right. No, we're in Utah. We're good at this. That's, we like got you, this. Like you're not going to New York for sweets. You're staying here for saltwater taffy and sugar. Here, here. Right here. All right, thanks. See ya. That's Mr. David Locke. Right now, we're going to give do it. We're going to do it right now, right? One week from tonight, the Nets are in town. February 4th, Friday night. Who doesn't want a Friday night? Come in and see the Jazz. Have a great time here in downtown. Well, we're going to give away a pair of tickets right now. All you got to do is jump on a line. What's the phone number in? 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-9663. All right, there you go. Win a pair of tickets. Be the 12th caller right now. And you, too, can go see the Jazz next Friday. Get a Friday night on the on us. Jazz in Brooklyn. Call the 12. Great seats still available at utahjazz.com. Call the 12. Get started.